1: George Brockler back with you here. Hour two of four on the George Show 710 KNUS. I'll get replaced by 10 at 10 by a guy named Charlie Kirk. Then we go Dennis Prager, Seb Gorka, Brandon Tatum, and then of course BTs and I will be back tomorrow to kick it off all over again from 6 to 10 a.m. Uh, happy to bring up on the line right now, friend, friend of the show now, now that he's on. Uh, Former State Senator Ted Harvey, he'd like to be a member of Congress right where I live in the 4th Congressional District as a result of the retiring, if that's the right term, Ken Buck. Uh, Senator, thanks for joining us.
2: You bet. Thank you for having me on.
1: I appreciate it. Now listen, I know you don't normally roll out of bed until noon, so if you stammer or stumble <laughs> yeah. over any of your words. Uh Ted, there are folks out there who remember you from all the great work you did under the Gold Dome when you represented me and a bunch of others out there in Douglas County, but there are going to be a bunch who are like, I've heard of Ted Harvey, don't know anything about him. Can we uh let them know who you are, where you grew up, all that kind of stuff? How did you get here from there?
2: Well, Thank you for having me on the show. Sure. I appreciate it. Um, Well, I grew up, I was an Air Force brat and uh, lived all over the place, but um, moved to Colorado Springs near the Air Force Academy when I was 14 years old, graduated from Air Academy High School and went to CSU and graduated from CSU and then moved to Denver to get my master's degree in public administration at the University of Colorado at Denver and um, along the way, I had a position in the Reagan White House and become became part of the Reagan revolution and moved back to Colorado and um, got involved in politics and got involved in the private sector and when uh Joe Nunez, who was my state representative at the time, took a position with the with the uh, Bush administration, he left a vacancy and I raised my hand and was elected to fill that vacancy and served in the House for five years and served in the Senate for eight years here in Douglas County. So 13 years in the legislature from Douglas County. My wife and I have lived in Douglas County for 26 years. Wow. we raised both of our kids here and um, been actively involved in our community and um, been, been, uh, been actively involved in Douglas County politics for decades.
1: One of the things that jumps out at me from that uh, brief narrative is, w- do you ever get told why you weren't admitted into CU Boulder? Did anyone ever t- <laughs> like, is that in the letter? When they reject you and they say, Ted, we're so sorry, but anything like that?
2: <laughs> you know, I was a, I was a very, very, stri- I've always been a very, very straight-laced kid. And when I was going to enter college, Around the same time you were, I that's think. That's about right, yeah. Um, uh, Boulder was very much not a straight laced school, and um, the last thing I wanted to do was go to see you. And now I'm looking back and I'm like, that's one of the most beautiful, most amazing universities it is. in the, in the it country. It is, but
1: I didn't do my due uh, diligence either. I, I went there because they had a great Army ROTC program and they let me into their engineering yeah. program, and then it was only when I got there that I looked around I'm like, I think I'm one of ten Republicans on the campus. I don't think, right. I've got to find the other nine. You know what I mean yep, that's um, exactly right. now listen, you you serve for a long time under the Gold Dome as you described there. You managed to have a life after politics. Um maybe that's not fair, Ted, because you stayed engaged, you were work you're still working the pack, isn't that right? For um what's the name of the pack again?
2: Well when i when I got out of the legislature I was asked to be a part of a pack that was just getting started called the Stop Hillary Pact. Yeah, that's right. And um, little did I ever imagine it would turn into the PAC that it became. There's uh, millions of people across the country who wanted to stop Hillary. And we raised a ton of money from small donors around the country who gave to the pact to um, do everything we could to um, make sure that Hillary Clinton never stepped foot in the White House again. <clears throat> and then when Trump won The election, we named the renamed the pack to the committee to defend the president. We became one of the largest pro-Trump packs in the country, raising millions of dollars from small donors around the country, probably at an average of thirty-five dollars per donor. Wow, that's small donor um, stuff there. We we literally built an army of grassroots activists around the country who not only got involved in supporting president trump and, and making sure that hillary was defeated and biden was defeated but also helping u.s senate candidates around the country we put a million dollars into marshall blackburn's race in 2018 wow. and had ran a full campaign there we put millions of dollars into georgia to help um purdue and and loffler well. get elected there and then the next year to next to get uh, Herschel Walker elected, we put over a million dollars. Came close-ish, North Carolina. Yeah, yeah.
1: That would have been a big, million big difference dollars into
2: maker. North Carolina to get uh, Ted Budd elected. So, um, you know, we, our goal was was to take back the majority in the Senate and give uh, Trump uh, a majority in both the House. Well, so, so here
1: you Republican are, successfully Republican. managing these great efforts on behalf of of Republicans needed efforts. And then you said, you know what's missing in my life? I'd like to climb into the trenches and have punches thrown at me right and left. What's wrong with you? Why would you do this?
2: Well, you know, we have good, we have good candidates running. We really do. But I looked at um, what the situation was. And, and Douglas County represents 47% of the district. I am a very, very passionate Christian conservative. I have you know, led the effort in Colorado for decades to push our conservative values, and um, I, I just didn't think that the candidates that are running, good friends of mine, yeah. um, were were as conservative as I wanted them to be. And, and noted, I think that the I, I just felt that I needed to get in the race. So after my wife and I prayed about it, and thought about it, we thought we needed to have a standard bearer that would hold up the conservative principles and values and, and fight for for the cause. And so you know, just before Christmas, I threw my name into the into the ring, and away we go.
1: It's like dropping a lump of coal into your family's stocking there with that announcement. <laughs> hey, kids, Daddy wants to go to Congress. Um, we're talking with former State Senator Ted Harvey. Talk about the conservative piece with the others up there, because, you know, you and I were together a week ago tonight up there at Fort Lupton for that great Women of Weld lincoln club of colorado forum first of its kind and you guys all seem to get along pretty well i mean in fact you know when when folks were asked who do you support who would you like and all this other stuff i mean listen your name came up i mean jerry was talking about you know how how much respect he has for you and how you'd be his choice if it wasn't him and all this other stuff Um, Where do you think you stand out from that crowd on that stage on conservative issues? What are the ones that jump out to you like, listen, they're just not where we need to be on this?
2: Well, I think if you look at immigration reform, um, that's without a doubt the most important issue facing America today. Every politician in America is now saying I'm for closing the border. Um, This is an issue that I've been a champion on since the day I walked into the legislature. Back in 2002, I carried over 13 bills um, on illegal immigration, outlawed sanctuary cities in Colorado, outlawed driver's license for illegal immigrants, um, multiple other bills. And this is not, you know, Johnny come lately to this fight. And that's why I've been endorsed by Tom Tancredo, who, you know, the godfather of the movement to, to secure our borders um, and no other candidate in this race has ever carried a single bill on illegal immigration it was never an issue for them until now they realize that the voters across the country are taking this issue seriously and um I, i'm the candidate that's done that for all these years I, I there's no doubt that on the life issue um like you had said i'm the, one of the state champions on on fighting
1: for true the sanctity absolutely of life. true yep
2: and have carried multiple multiple bills on that issue and Um, passed the only bill that's ever restricted abortion, which was the Parental Notification Act. So again, none of the other candidates have carried any legislation on abortion. And um, I think that that's one of the most important issues. Immigration is one of the most important issues. And if we're not going to have champions that are willing to stick their neck out, fight for those important issues when they're in the legislature, we certainly can't expect them to do that once they're in Congress.
1: Let's talk about the pro-life thing, because one of the questions that I asked of the group, and you had a pretty, I thought, informed and nuanced answer. I'm Not sure I'm 100% sold on it yet. I want to think on it. But the question was, listen, we, we campaigned for 50 years on needing to undo Roe versus Wade. And one of the many arguments was, hey, this is a state's issue. This isn't one for the federal government. No judges should show up and hijack this thing. If you're sent to Congress by the the voters where you and I live, would you sign on to a national abortion ban or limitation, whatever that looks like? And tell us why you would do that.
2: You bet. And I'm disappointed that there were about five of the ten candidates running that said that they would not support a federal ban. I, I think that you know the the Declaration of Independence lays out the fact that we are all created with certain inalienable rights life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Government is there for the sole purpose to protect and defend the civil liberties of every one of its citizens, including um, those that are least able to defend themselves. And the unborn are definitely into that category. And um, I think that the federal government has an obligation to uh, passed legislation that will protect the unborn. And um, it's not a state's rights issue. The, the Dobbs decision did not say it's a state's rights issue. They simply said that abortion is not protected in the U.S. Constitution, and it's not. It was, that was a terrible ruling originally in the Roe v. Wade decision. So a, now it's left to the federal government gets to make the decision and the states gets to make the decision and I don't think any state has a right to kill unborn children couple, No individual has a right to kill unborn
1: children you know a couple thoughts on that just questions because I appreciate that Dobbs was not a case just about states rights or really even about states rights. It was about the whether or not this was protected in our federal constitution but a couple questions one were you ever a champion of the argument that this is a state's rights issue? And two, isn't what you're saying an argument for a federal murder law? If we're about protecting life, should there be a federal law that says you can't murder someone?
2: Um, no, I've never been a state's rights issue on the abortion issue. I've always felt that it is a federal issue yeah. to protect life, just like it's a federal issue to say that one state can't have Slavery and one state can have slavery. Um, I, I, you cannot have an individual owning another individual and feeling that they can mutilate their bodies or dismember their bodies or kill, their bo- kill the individual um, in one state and then not in another. And I think that's what we're going to have, what, what we do have with abortion. So I think that it, it, does, it is a role where um, the federal government's going to have to intervene at some point. And if Donald Trump were to able to negotiate a a compromise of 15 yeah. weeks or 20 weeks or something like that, um, I would be the sponsor of that bill tomorrow.
1: It would... Uh... And just to I like the analogy to the slavery issue, because you're right, we would never allow individual states to do that. We think we actually amended the Constitution to put that in there as the 13th. And that anniversary for that was yesterday. Um, But in terms of should there be a federal murder law? Because we outside of federal enclaves or jurisdiction, we largely leave that to the states. Is that different than what you've said about the abortion thing?
2: Well, I think if you had some states saying it was legal, to murder people and other states where it wasn't legal to murder people, I think that the federal government would have to come in and say, no, Um, government is there to protect the civil liberties, the life of all individuals. And you can't have states saying that it's legal to murder um, and individual citizens in those states. Um, The federal government does not need to intervene in those situations because that's not the case. There is no state in the country that says that it's legal to murder people, unless they're in the womb.
1: No, that's true. There are varying degrees of what's covered by the individual murder statutes, but I'm not aware of any statute where it just outright says it's okay for you to go and kill another person. Although they do have varying degrees of self-defense it, it, it and stand your ground. What's that?
2: Colorado has that right now with abortion. You can you can murder an unborn child right up to the time that the mother is. Going going into the hospital and contracting, and dilating, um, that is murder. And Colorado does it. California does it. New York does it. I believe that the federal government has a responsibility to intervene in those situations.
1: I've said this before, but you would be in a better position to know just because you're passionate on this thing. But I've said I think Colorado's law may be the most permissive abortion law, if not in the country, maybe on the planet Earth. I don't know. I mean, do do you know of another state's law that goes farther?
2: New New York is just as bad.
1: Just as bad? Yep. Who's worse? Like, who is more yeah. permissive? Like, you can terminate a pregnancy when they're in high school. It's the
2: exact same. It, it, it's the exact same situation in both states, New York and, and Colorado.
1: I'm just not even aware of other countries that adopt the Colorado right. standard.
2: Right. And you have people coming from all over the world to Colorado to seek late-term abortions. It is now a destination date for, oh, wow. for people from all over the world to get their abortion.
1: Abortion tourism, I guess. it's gonna. We're going to have some right. sort of right. positive economic impact from having if people that's show up. Not
2: horrendous, wow. If that's not horrendous, I don't know what is. And nobody in this state is holding Jared Polis and the Democrats accountable. When they passed this bill, I, I went to the legislature and, and spoke at 2.30 in the morning. There were so many people that went down there and to testify. I, I was on the list, and I didn't get to speak until 2.30 in the morning. God bless the Republicans in the legislature who debated for 24 hours on a filibuster on this bill um it is it is horrendous and we need to have we need to hold those democrats accountable for what they've passed here in colorado and unfortunately they overturned they they when they passed that bill they uh pulled out my legislation that i had in there to to at least require notification of parents if a minor got an abortion and now that's not the law in colorado anymore either
1: no, you only have to get parental permission to give, like, aspirin, not to change yep. your gender or to abort a baby or anything like that. That you can keep from the parents. But the aspirin stuff, yep. or if they uh, act out in class, then that's all 100% the uh, the parents. Ted, when you look at this race and, and you've identified 10, I think it, there was 10. There was 11 at one point. I don't know if there will be 11 again. But all decent people up on that stage, right? Like varying degrees of experience, varying backgrounds. Maybe the biggest name, not maybe, the biggest name in the races is, is Lauren Boebert. And she brings with her like a $1.2, $1.3 million war chest from the third. And name ID that is, I mean, it's got to be in the 80 to 90% range for the 4th Congressional District. Couple questions. One, what's your reaction to her entry into this race in terms of, you know, one of the questions that, uh, uh, Mike Lynch asked was straight up. I mean, and I think Mike got, got his back up a little bit because she had said something about him getting his gun rights back. And he had said, Hey, give me the definition of a carpetbagger, but what's your reaction to her entrance in the race? And two, how do you defeat the rest of this field? How do you defeat a Lauren Boebert? If there's this many people on the ballot?
2: Well, if your first thing about Lauren, you know, I, I've always thought the world of her. I think she's been a, been a um, stalwart to, to fight for the good fight on, over on the western slope. But I think it's a sign of desperation that she is leaving the third and coming over to the fourth. She um, barely won two years ago um, by over little over 500 votes when in a district that's a plus nine um, for a Republican. There's no reason she should have been that close in that race and i i think it speaks to um her inability to reach her own constituents and be able to um hold on to that base and, and get reelected by huge numbers she should have um, i think there's a lot of reasons for that but we don't need to go into that but i think this time around when the democrats saw how close it was they put a ton of money into that race they and then she had her own personal Picadillos that made the situation far worse. And um, I think that she decided to pack her bags and come over the, the mountain and come to the, the eastern plains. And, you know, my house is over 200 miles away from her house. Jerry Sonnenberg's house is over 400 miles wow. away from her house. There is no way she knows the issues, the interests, of the fourth congressional district. It was a vanity play and a desperate desire to hold on to power and the and the limelight of the cameras that uh she's become accustomed to. And I don't think that I don't I don't think she's gonna walk in here with the open arms that uh she had hoped because I've traveled this entire district and I honestly know very, very few people that support her doing this. And I wish she would have stayed there and fought for, for her district, and we would could, probably could hold it. And obviously we're going to hold the 4th the, the Congressional District as well.
1: How are you going to access the ballot?
2: I'm going through the assembly process. If, you know, I've represented Douglas County for 13 years. If I can't get through the assembly process and get on the ballot, then I don't deserve to be in this race. And um, there are a lot of candidates in this race, and right now, Six of them are petitioning onto the ballot, so it's going to be a big um, uh, group of us on the primary ballot. And I think that with with my background as, as a conservative stalwart and with my uh, base of support here in Douglas County, I think we have a great chance of winning with that many on the
1: ballot. Do you know, Ted, how many of those six plan on petitioning but also going to the Assembly? Because that's this new thing that's sort of been created over the last, I don't know, 10 plus years, this hybrid model that we have.
2: Yeah, yeah. I I know that um, Richard Holtorf has said that he is going to go through both, and uh, from what I understand, Deborah Flora has committed to that as well. So I, I think Jerry is is going to go through, I don't think he's going to petition on at all. So I think we'll definitely have four candidates going through the assembly process, and the rest of them, I don't think they've made a decision. So
1: you've seen this, right? Like, in some ways, more people on the ballot helps you and the other candidates who are trying to gobble up not so much a majority, but a plurality. But it also has got to help Lauren, just on the name ID thing. And I And I agree with you in this way. The people that I run into at the events you and I go to down there not a, not a lot of warm welcome for LB, just not a lot of love because of the ideas that you put out there. But I wonder how many other voters who aren't in the game, they aren't active. You would never describe them as grassroots, but you would definitely describe them as conservative. Maybe even MAGA just end up getting things in the mail and in their digital stuff that, that just enough to tip the scales. Do you think about that? Do you worry about that? Or do you think, no, I'm coming from the County (laughs) that represents almost 50% of this place. I got a great shot.
2: No, you you got to take it seriously. There'll probably be 130,000 people that vote in this primary, wow. and she's coming across with 1.5 million, probably. Yeah, well wow. um, that's a lot of money. You can't you, you can't poo-poo that. And you know, the the folks that are actively involved in the grassroots, they're not opening their arms to her. But um, the rest of those 130,000 voters, they aren't probably that well aware of of her personal issues and the fact that she's is coming across 300 miles away from this district. Um, so it's going to be, it's going to be a tough fight and we're going to have to raise the money to be able to compete, um, at, at, at every level. And, um, we're planning on doing that.
1: Ted, you've identified a priority, and I agree with you. I think that the the border and the migrant crisis, and frankly, hats off to Greg Abbott because, but for Greg Abbott, would Denver and Mayor Johnston be going through what they're going through right now? I don't, I don't think so. But, um, and then you've identified the other high profile topic, which is going to be part of any conversation in Colorado. That's the abortion thing, especially when you've got the legislature looking to set, or, or I mean, it's not the legislature. It's a group out there looking to codify this super liberal abortion bill in our state constitution. But what's that other issue out there? When you hit the ground day one outside of the immigration border, think, what is your priority? Like, I want to do this as Congressman Harvey.
2: Well, I think the the voters, uh, the Republican voters, want to make sure that we have sound elections, that they can trust and that everybody can walk away from and say, yeah, that was a fair election. Um, again, I've carried multiple, multiple bills over the time I was in the legislature. I was for election integrity before election integrity was cool um, and worked with Scott Gessler at the time when he was secretary of the state. to uh, to require proof of citizenship to register to vote, to require photo ID to be able to register to vote. I think those are two important things that we should do at the federal level. Um, The rest of it, I think, is a state's rights issue, whether you have mail ballots or whatever. I think those are state's rights issues. But I think there's some important things that we can do um, at the federal level to try to tighten up our election laws. I think another important thing that is Republican primary voters is how our um, own bureaucracy, our own government, especially the intelligence community, did everything they could, working with social media and other folks, mainstream media, to um, interfere in the election and interfere in Donald Trump's administration and lie to the American people about um, Russia collusion or um, the the outcome of the conversation that he had with the president of Ukraine. I think that the American people are look at what happened, and with COVID, look at what happened, and they want people held accountable. And at this point right now, the Republican Party has not held anybody accountable, and I think that we need to have somebody that's going to go to Washington, D.C., that's 100 percent committed to um, pushing back against the intelligence community and holding them accountable for what they did during the so four so years of the Trump administration,
1: but Ted, it sounds like then some of what you think needs to be done is we need to have investigations into these events the the COVID stuff, Fauci, all that other stuff that would be part of the focus and and the uh, election. I'm sorry, the, uh, the Russian collusion thing.
2: You bet, you bet. And um, I think that the problem is right now, even if the Congress did do investigations, and they did refer people to the Justice Department for, for violating Donald Trump's civil liberties and other people's civil liberties. Um, unfortunately, the current situation is the Justice Department would not pursue it. That's why it's important for Donald Trump to get elected, because he would appoint a, a, a Justice Department that would actually enforce the law and hold people accountable for violating American civil liberties
1: ted i i and asked this question of the whole panel last week and now we've got a couple of texters in light of this part of our conversation asking variations of the question um did donald trump win the 2020 election or get robbed of it and some people are using the election denier some people are saying all those terms what are your thoughts on that
2: well i definitely think that the um our intelligence community interfered in the election. I I would I don't know if I would say that the um,
1: –
2: oh, my gosh, I'm blanking out of the name of the company yeah, that, that runs the voting machines.
1: Dominion, um, Dominion, I, Dominion. I, I, it was Dominion. I, yeah, yeah. yeah
2: thank, you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I don't think that I, – I don't know if there's ever been any proof to show that the Dominion machine did anything, but I think that um, there's plenty of evidence to show that – Different states violated their own statutes, violated their own constitutions and pushed for mail ballots when it wasn't legally able to do that um, and allowed for um, people to vote that shouldn't been have been able to vote state by state by state by state. There were definitely ways that there was um, efforts amongst the Democrats and those that were in power to violate their own state laws and state constitutions to make sure that. Shouldn't have been voting. And when, when you win by 10,000 votes, when Biden wins by 10,000 votes in Nevada, in uh, Arizona, in Georgia, those, those changes in the laws can impact the outcome of an election. And so, do I think it was stolen? No. Do I think there was a great deal of interference? Without a
0: doubt.
1: And I, there is a distinction to be drawn there, right? Between interference and the folks out there who are saying, hey, there's a bunch of fraudulent ballots floating around that tip the scales. I haven't seen any evidence of that either. There's obviously question marks that, that are all over the, the process that we have here. I'm freaked out by the fact that we carpet bomb the state of Colorado with ballots based on automatic registration that takes place at the DMV and all that stuff. I do think those things need to be addressed. I'm not a fan of the feds getting involved in that issue. I want Coloradans to figure this out themselves, but I'm taken with the idea of, is there an ID requirement that could be universally applied, but leave the rest of the mechanism to the state? That would be interesting. Right. That would be interesting. Yep. Um, hey, and and you yeah.
2: require that you're a citizen to be able to register to vote for that specific id to be able to you
1: know vote. some some um, people some people are going to say that's that's crazy them. talk however we know that there are certain townships and cities out there who have explored and some have gone down the road of saying you get to vote if you're just here on the street somewhere uh and so i don't know that that could happen at the presidential well, well, level George, or federal, no yeah.
2: it it happened here in colorado when when gessler was secretary of state and i was carrying the legislation yeah. gessler bumped up the driver's license Uh, database where individuals have to sign off to say, I am not a U.S. citizen, meaning they have a green Mm -hmm. card or they are an illegal immigrant now because they can get driver's license in Colorado. And he bumped up those driver's license database against the voter files. And there were thousands of people on the voter files who went to the DMV and got their driver's license and checked that box and said, I am not a U.S. citizen, who are on Colorado's voter rolls, and they're getting ballots. And there's nothing to prevent them from voting. Well, hold on.
1: You are right up until that last part because there are triggers in place if they vote those ballots. And I know that because you probably remember this, Ted. I think you were still in office when this happened. Remember, Gessler runs those lists and does this stuff. And he refers out. Hundreds of cases across the state to DA's offices. Do you remember that? And 21 of 22 jurisdictions, Republicans included, within 24 hours all said, there's nothing to see here. This is bunk. Well, I didn't. I took an investigator out of their job and put them full time on chasing down each of them. I think we had more than any other jurisdiction, but we're huge, right? Sent them out to go chase all these downs, all these down. And what we found was none of these folks had none of the folks that shouldn't have gotten a ballot actually voted the ballots that they had. But we did find that some of these uh, folks that weren't eligible to vote did sign up for ballots did like register to vote on these door-to-door get out the vote things and it was these unscrupulous unregulated on the left by the way the the left-leaning folks that are doing the get out the vote that were showing up to their door and we found some folks that were they want to be citizens right like they're here on a visa they or or whatever they want to earn their citizenship these guys were coming to the door saying hey have you registered to vote yet to get your ballot and they're like hey i don't think i'm eligible and they would say do you have a driver's license?" And they'd say, well, yeah. And they're like, then you can vote. These guys don't know. Some dude shows up. So they signed the thing. They didn't ever vote the ballot. But when they sign that, it triggers exactly what you think it would trigger. And now it impacts their ability to become legal citizens. So here we are opening the door down south to people who simply don't give a damn about our laws because they're more interested in getting them and their families across the border. Here's people trying to do the right things, being set up by these lefty get out the vote types, and they get screwed through the process for doing stuff that people tell them it's OK. That's one of the big problems with this thing, too, is we're so anxious. Just to sign up everybody and their mother. We have allowed this, this unscrupulous, corrupt conduct to take place.
2: Without a doubt. And then you add on to the fact that we count people that aren't U.S. citizens as part of the uh, census. Oh, for census, yeah. determining yeah. how we're going to redistrict uh, congressional seats. Yeah, that's, the Democrats that's, are doing that's... that simply to get more congressional seats in places like California um, so that they can control the, the electoral college vote. I mean, the whole thing is so corrupt, and the Democrats know exactly what they're doing and why they're doing it. And you know, Donald Trump tried to fix that problem when he said we're not going to utilize uh, illegal immigrants or non-citizens in the census for redistricting. And unfortunately, uh, Chief Justice Roberts worked with the Democrats-appointed uh, judges to overturn that, and um, without any real legal
0: justification for why he did it
1: ted uh, we've taken you along just because there were so many good topics to cover here but before you go would you please tell folks who are listening out there and like what they hear where can they go to get more information about you even try to help you out
2: well you are great thank you very much buddy i appreciate yeah, it yeah, for sure. um, yeah go to ted com, ted com, and learn more about the campaign learn about the issues what i've done in the past and if somebody wants to help us out hit that donation page and uh help us fund this race because it's going to be an expensive race with 10
1: people in oh my goodness i imagine i'll be running into you in a whole bunch of places across the county yes sir looking forward to it see you ted thank you hey that's a uh, former state senator ted harvey running for congress we went long with ted there was just some stuff there at the end Frankly, had I uh, given Billy the nod, he would have jumped into the microphone and extended this interview another 15 or 20 minutes. But uh, that's for another day. Let's do this. Tell me what you're hearing out there and tell me what you like. 303-696-1971. What are your thoughts? We continue to have candidates running for this race on this show because this, in some ways, is the most consequential primary. It's not the most consequential general election. God, I'd really love to get Gabe Evans and Scott James and stuff on the radio, too. Let me think about that but let's cut away for a break we'll come back in the nine o'clock hour by the way we're going to have peter Yu, also a candidate for cd4 in the eight o'clock hour stefan tubbs candidate for well he'll have to tell you no i'm kidding he's not really running for anything but he'll be in the saddle here in the eight o'clock hour if you've never met stefan or heard from him i apologize in advance it's george brockler 710 gain us
3: oh oh george I-, I got something for you here Got, is it something. contagious? Um, no, that's that's for later. When we do the uh, full body tick check, um, that, that's later. That's our that's our post show thing. But um, hang on. Here. Oh, God, what is this pop up? Uh, no. Okay, remind me later. Um, something very very special, and I totally forgot to mention this this morning uh, during our six o'clock conversation. And it kind of plays into a little bit of our Taylor Swift conversation, just a little bit tangentially, yeah. um, because uh, th- there is a very very important song. That just dropped this morning. Now, the YouTubes can't hear this.
1: No, YouTubes can't hear this. There's music playing. Yeah.
3: Do you recognize that voice?
1: Hold on. BJ.
3: Yes. That's gonna, Billy Joel, man. You're going to go see him live. First single you in are decades. Too. Yes. First new song in decades. Wow. Drops today. Turn the lights back on. Yeah, this is it.
1: Yeah, it does. You can just hear the Billy in there. He sounds a little bit different than he did probably 70s and 80s, Yeah, but you can still hear him in there.
3: And he's still the storyteller.
1: Yeah, and that piano, man, prominent piano. Folks, if you're uh, on the YouTubes and you can't hear this, uh, nothing I can do about it. Yeah, no, no,
3: <laughs> But isn't it uh, exciting? Brand new song, brand new that just yeah, dropped. That's pretty cool,
1: man. I'm glad yeah. you found that. Want to share that because our connection. That's yeah. super cool. We had right. a caller on the line. We must have just lost her during the playing of the Billy Joel song, but we had her on. She wanted to talk about the abortion thing. Uh, my thanks to Ted Harvey for taking time out of his busy morning to have the conversation with us. Ted, as you can tell, very thoughtful on these issues, even if you disagree with them. They're not without some sort of a deep dive on his part. I was taken with the idea that he's never been a we need to get rid of Roe because it's a state's rights thing. Yeah, we need to get out of Roe because it's a state's rights issue. And his point that if you read Dobbs, it doesn't reference states rights as the issue there is a role for the feds to play here and i appreciate the back and forth that we could have i didn't tell him i was going to ask him those things where he came up with the idea of hey we had to have a slavery thing to make that national couldn't have a state by state patchwork i that makes total sense to me also the uh the discussion though of the murder thing and he said and if any state were to ever not prosecute murder or have a murder law then i think the fed should jump in that's interesting to me because i think that's probably true Uh, Ish. And I say that because of the defending the civil rights thing. I just wonder, because every state has a different variation on murder. Not everything is the same. Some classify them differently. Like, for instance, here, Colorado is currently in a movement to make murder uh, no longer a life without parole sentence. And they're chiseling away at it. For other states, it's still death penalty eligible. So you do get variation in how it's how it's defended and protected. I wonder if there would be a role for the federal government if one state said, well, you can't have an abortion after the first I'm making this up five weeks. And another state were to say after the second trimester, they would each have laws on the books that would ostensibly protect some version of unborn life. But would that be sufficient to bring a federal argument, a federal question forward about, hey, no, we need to have uniformity here, because that's what the federal ban would be. It would be uniform. And so what do you tell a state that are like, for instance, you have a federal ban at 22 weeks, let's say. And and Ted talked about that. What if you have a state that's like, is it Texas that has 15 weeks? Then why should there be a federal law that blankets them if they already have it? I mean, there's just a lot to this whole thing. That issue, by the way, front and center on our ballots in November, because I think the Dems, whether it's through the legislature or through an activist group that petitions it on, There's going to be an amendment to the Constitution offered to Coloradans to enshrine the most uh, liberal abortion law, maybe on the planet Earth, into our Constitution and how proud we must all be for that. Uh, Listen, let me do this real quick before I cut away. I want to tell you about roll out shelves. Brent and Joyce Tolliver, they do top shelf work and they do it all day, every day. They start by you calling them and they come out to your house. How cool is that? That they come directly out to your house, both Brent, both they came out to mine. They measure your cabinets, and really what they're trying to do is to figure out how to get you for your budget, right? There's no one size fits all. How to get your budget to match the magic that they do inside your cabinet so that your house seems like a happier, more organized place. You feel like I've done great work here. Nobody can see it on the surface, but when you get right into the guts of the house, you've just upgraded that a billion percent with the roll out shelves. Go check out what they have to offer with their many, many videos at rollemoutshelves.com, rollemEM em shelvescom or give them a call today, 303-475-9601. 303-475-9601. Free in-home estimate. Get it done today. Listen, I'm going to cut away for a break. When we come back, we'll get to more of your texts, more of your calls. This is George Brockler, 710 KNUS. George Brockler back with you here, 710 KNUS, running out of time in this hour, and then we're going to be joining the 8 o'clock hour by a guy named Stephanie Tubes. Um, It's something, there are a lot of letters that match his actual name that are in there. We'll talk to him in the 8 o'clock hour. He'll talk to us about drugs and pills and stuff, not any of the good ones. Here's the good ones. How about our friends at Ultra Britannica? These folks have figured out a way to put in a little capsule all the magic of curcumin added with their special patented all-natural formula that helps it really be effective in your body in a way you couldn't get from just regular curcumin, and they make it available to you for a three-day supply for free? Yeah, that's right. You can start to research this at GetUltraNow.com. GetUltraNow.com. By the way, if you remember the interview we did with the guys, they have a bunch of other products that they're rolling out now, but this is the one I recommend because Billy and I took this one, and I'm telling you the, the, uh, the relief is real it accelerated my recovery from those ridiculous runs I was doing that I'm going to have to start doing again. Unfortunately, that's what happens when you let yourself go. But when I get those pains in my ankles and my knees, because I do, this thing makes it go way more quickly. It's not a complete prevention, but I can tell it's doing good things for my body. You should give it a shot too. go to your natural grocers, go to the vitamin manager, ask her or him, for your three-day supply, they'll give you one. They'll give you another one that you can use for a friend or a loved one or something like that. And after you experience the positive benefits that I have, or maybe even better, then you go back and you get the whole enchilada. You get the 30-day or 60-day supply, and you get it at GetUltraNow.com. Uh, hey, listen, when we come back, Stephan Tubbs, his, it's a name you've never heard before on 710 US. He has a new gig. Some of you know what that gig is. Uh, I do. I thought he would at least have the opportunity to reveal it to the morning show crowd. He used to be on, and some of you right now are saying, Oh, he's not on the radio anymore. I get it. You didn't listen to him, but he was on from four to seven for a long, long time. And before that, three to seven. Uh, but he's gone. He's done with the radio. He's been on radio since Marconi. A lot of you looking at Stefan go, My God, what are you 60? Nope, it's 80. But the, that's all because of the skincare products, the oil of Olay, and some of the drugs that he'll talk about in this next segment. So I just need you to stick around for me. In fact, he'll probably take calls. He'll probably take texts. We'll have him in studio, so we're starting to spray things down right now. It's Stefan Tubbs when we come back. George Brockler, 710, KNUS.